Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the book of Luke, and and we've been uh, spending some time on this parable here in chapter 19, and it's been a couple, I was gone last week, so it's been a couple of weeks since we uh, visited this scripture, and so we'll kind of refresh a little bit after, we'll read through it, then we'll refresh a little bit, then we'll, we'll what we covered last time, and then we'll cover the, hopefully we'll make it through the end, if not, there's always more time later till the Lord comes back. So <clears throat> so here we have in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, this parable. And and as they heard these things, remember that uh, he'd just been dealing with Zacchaeus and they're on their way to Jerusalem. They'd been down to, Jeruz- to Jericho. And remember that we had that graphic last week where Jer- Jericho was uh, 800 feet below sea level and in 14 miles they ascend up to uh, Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives, so it's quite a change in altitude in just a short distance. We think about going from from the Dalles to uh, Dufer as a pretty good climb. It's kind of up and down, but same as this uh, terrain here. <clears throat> but in in 14 miles to walk up a hill like that is uh, is was quite a uh, quite a step. So <clears throat> and. Uh, the the closing verse that he said in verse uh, ten was very telling. He said, "For uh, after he talked about uh, salvation coming to Zacchaeus' house because he was a son of Abraham, he said, for the the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost.' So here we are in verse eleven. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, and he gives two reasons here." Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him whom, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. The first uh, came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, <clears throat> Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities." And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, thou layest not down, and thou reapest that thou did not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou thou my money to the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not... Even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. 
<clears throat> but those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Pretty uh, serious words that we have here. And uh, so as we go, went through this, uh, the name of our lesson was uh, Occupy Till I Come. And uh, and we we just reviewed briefly the reasons for the parable, which were two, because he was nigh to Jerusalem. He was nigh to come to his final trip to Jerusalem to accomplish the mission that he'd been uh, at since before the foundation of the world. And because they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear, and we we reminded everyone that that the the thought of those Jews was that he would come, the Messiah would come, throw off the Romans restore the kingdom to Israel and and they would be out from underneath the Roman yoke and everything would be swell. And so he said, that's not why I came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so it, he, he said, because of those things, he he issued a parable and he, he added, the word added is important here, uh, because of those things, he added a parable and and told them the true reason that that he was come and and the true mission was seeking his lost sheep and to save those that sheep which was lost is he was not come to restore morality or cure injustice or political ideals he was come to seek those whom the father had given him uh in the covenant of grace and to lay down his life a ransom for them thereby saving them by the substitution of his own self in their behalf. And so this this truth of this was entirely opposite of what the people, even the disciples believed. Remember, we went to Acts chapter 1 after the resurrection. He appeared to them and they said, well, will you restore the kingdom now? <laughs> At this time, will you restore the kingdom? And he, not, not, not in the plan here. So, uh, and... <clears throat> He said that they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And remember, we we looked at that. That was an interesting word that we found in Vine's expository dictionary, which was actually a nautical term. <clears throat> and it had to do with the vision that uh, sailors had from the horizon that were looking toward their home port. When they got close enough, they could see over the horizon and their home port would appear or whatever they were going would come into view. And that's kind of what that word uh, anaphaino means in in the Greek as uh, uh, to come into view as sailors would behold their port on the horizon as they sailed in and and as they left Jericho at eight hundred feet below sea level and they would come up to the Mount of Olives and they would look down into Jerusalem and the in the Kidron Valley and they would see that the oh the kingdom is the kingdom is here the we're what we hope for is almost in view and 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 yet that wasn't what he was telling them at all and uh but they must have felt that way i think the disciples must have felt that way when we get to the top of this this 4000 foot climb we're going to be able to see a wonderful thing and uh they didn't quite understand fully that the the kingdom of God was among them, as the scripture tells us, even in them, and with a far different purpose of grace than they could imagine. And <clears throat> we find that 
this this trail that come up from Jericho would go through Beth Foggy and Bethany, and they would stop there. And remember, Bethany was where Lazarus was raised from the dead, and and the many things that happened on that road from Jericho to Jerusalem was where the 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 Good Samaritan helped the one that had been waylaid and robbed and wounded, and and the Good Samaritan took care of him and took care of all of his issues. And <clears throat> so as we as we move along, uh, he he says. The, as he begins a parable, he talks about the the ruler going to a far country, and the and the citizens hated him, and they said, "We'll not have this man to rule over us." And we and we mentioned Archelaus, and we mentioned that because it's important because Archelaus is mentioned in Matthew in the Bible, and and because he played a part in the divine determinate counsel and foreknowledge of everything that was going to occur. Archelaus had his part to play, and his his replacement Herod Antipas had his part to play. And Archelaus was this evil ruler that, when his father Herod the Great died, he he got control of that area of Palestine, and and he was pretty. He kind of took over before he was officially uh, tapped with the wand, and and. And he he assumed a lot of authority that he didn't really have yet, but he he got away with it, and uh, they they didn't like him because he was a mean guy. He was an evil ruler, and and uh, he he took issue with some uh, Jews that were protesting at a Passover, and he had three thousand of them killed, <clears throat> and. So when it finally came time for Archelaus to travel down to Rome to officially get authority from the Caesar to to rule that that region that was divided by his father and his will, uh, <clears throat> the Jews sent a delegation too, and they they said to Caesar, "We'll not have this man to rule over us." <laughs> and so. Uh, Caesar said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to make you a king. I'll just make you an ethnarch, which is a lesser title. But you, you still have authority over the region, but you're not a king." And and we find that those Herods, that family of Herods, were Edomites. They were they were uh, Idumeans, or the Greek rendering of of Edomites. And uh, interesting thing there about the Lord's dealing with the Edoms, and so. Uh, Archelaus came back, he ruled about nine years, and then he was such a, he caused such division that the Caesar said, you're out of here, and and uh, gave his part part of the area to Herod Antipas, his uh, part brother there, uh, to rule, and they banished Archelaus to Vienna, I believe. So... <clears throat> So now we're kind of up to speed on what we kind of covered the last time. Uh, remember in Matthew uh, chapter 2, that uh, verse 22, when he heard, uh, when uh, Joseph heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be 
called a Nazarene. So isn't that interesting how Archelaus plays into this this whole thing that's designed in the determinate counsel of God and for his purpose and uh, he who is and always was king of kings and lord of lords sets up the kings of this world according to his own purpose and pleasure and the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth to whomever he will in Daniel 4.25 and Proverbs says by me kings reign and princes decree justice and and he sets them up and and takes them down and so all these circumstances of sovereign will are brought to play brought to pass to bring us to this point in time that we find ourselves in here in in Luke and in in truth in Acts chapter 4 uh, verse 27 says for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod Antipas that's the re- one that replaced Archelaus when he got deposed and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And so we have this point that uh, this ruler that went down to Rome to get uh, authorized, they, they said, we'll not have this man to be reign over us. It, it, it was just struck me as so interesting that uh, they didn't like this evil guy. And they said, we'll not have him to reign over us. And when Christ came, who was ultimately the, the, the most representative of good, he said, there's none good but God, uh, they wouldn't have him to rule over. They wanted themselves. <clears throat> it was all me. It was all me, me, me. <clears throat> they, they didn't want that guy, and they didn't want the Christ. They didn't want the evil. They didn't want the good. They wanted their own, their own version of things. And... Isn't that what we find even today in, in religion? They want they don't want they don't want the king, <clears throat> they don't want what, the other thing, but they want what they have themselves. <clears throat> and so we're coming to Jerusalem. The Jerusalem is nearly in view, and he he's talking this parable to them in verse thirteen. We come to the part about the ten pounds, and and this such great instruction for the church here that's. It's very valuable, and, and it's similar in scope to what we covered in the parable of the sower earlier in Luke. Uh, several classes of people that are described. The point was made to the disciples again that he, he would be departing for a season, and and remember the main point: he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the scripture records that he was nigh to Jerusalem, where he is about to depart this earthly life, this world as a sacrifice for his people and 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 finish the work of grace. And so in this parable we have the certain noblemen which kind of pictures the Lord God Almighty in the in the fullness of time God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law from Galatians four four. We have the ten servants and the ten servants are broken down into really two subsets. We have the the faithful servants and the wicked servant. And and then we have the citizens who hated the the noble the nobleman, the ruler. We'll not have this man to reign over us. And you know that's the only classes of people there are, and each is judged according to their actions. And the object of the parable here was the ten pounds, and the meaning of the ten pounds pounds is it's kind of used as a monetary uh, symbol here, uh, 
allegory. And it's really an arbitrary term to represent a spiritual truth, and the amount isn't really material, but uh, the pounds uh, spiritually to the church is simply a term representing the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to seek and save his people from their sins. He just came to seek and save that which was lost. And and he would be departing soon after finishing the work of redemption uh, placed in his keeping from the foundation of the world. And the mission of the disciples, the church, was to go forth, and Matthew tells us in chapter 28, go forth, preach the gospel to all nations, every people. And so... Uh, that's the method that God has determined that his good news would go out. Uh, he was sovereign. He could do it however he wanted, but he chose by the foolishness of preaching to, to save them that believe. And uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty one tells us that, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. To say them that believe, how opposite that you know how we would do things in our in our earthly sense, how we would set things up. He says, "I'm just going to have people go out and tell the good news that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture." This is the method that God chose, the method of delivering the good news by those who actually have experienced it. You know, people that haven't experienced a new birth can't really tell anybody about it. <laughs> it's a plane. It's plain. Uh, they don't know anything about it. The, the good news that Christ died for our sins in our place, the good news that the Holy Spirit brings to life in everyone who is ordained to eternal life and caused to believe. Isn't that what it tells us in Acts 13.48? As many as were ordained to eternal life believe. And, and there are certain key words and thoughts contained in the words delivered by Jesus to the disciples in, in verse 13, he said he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, uh, Occupy till I come. And so the servants were given or delivered ten pounds, each, each one a pound. Each had the same, each given the same instructions. And deliver here in this verse indicates something that was given and it, it was, it's also uh, used in 1 Corinthians, and it involves entrusting someone with something. Uh, it's a variation of the same word. It's a, I'm not all that up on Greek stuff, but it's the same base root word there. Uh, in what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.3, he says, I delivered unto you... First of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. <clears throat> Jesus said in John seventeen eight, For I have given, and it's the same word here, it's called given, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Thou gavest is the same exact word. So this, this same word we're here looking at, delivered, is just translated in various different ways. It means the same thing. They're given something that they didn't have before. They're given something that they didn't come up with on their own. They're given something, and they're in, it's valuable, and they're entrusted with it. Amen. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, is what Jesus said. And they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me, John seventeen eight. So the instruction is, occupy till I come. 
And this occupy from from the Greek is pragmateomai, is where we get the word pragmatism or pragmatic from in our English language. <clears throat> it means to busy oneself with, and it's rooted in the word which indicates a deed or a practice that's performed repeatedly or habitually. So, occupy to my, till I come means busy yourself with the the gospel busy yourself with this and perform it repeatedly and habitually it's and <clears throat> this english word that we get uh, pragmatic is now has a meaning of practical or realistic as opposed to merely theoretical <clears throat> one who is practical and focused on reaching a goal so it's kind of has some connection to the old meaning but but it, it's really instruction from God. It says, be busy about what I've given you. Be busy about the gospel. Be, make it habitually what you do. Make it uh, perform repeatedly uh, or habitually. So, so the gospel then is to be the object of our focus, the thing with which we busy ourselves, the thing with which we've been entrusted with, the very thing that was given to us, that was used by the Spirit of God to breathe in us the breath of life. And we can only do that. That's what we can only do. We can only sow the seed. As we refer back to our lesson in Luke on the parable of the sower, we can only sow the seed, the whole seed. I was very interested here uh, when I was kind of looking into that a little bit because when we went to Hepner last week hunting and stuff, <clears throat> we go up through... Uh, Arlington and then a cut across to Hepner and and you just go across thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of wheat and man they sow that right up to the pavement <laughs> and they just go around the pole I, I wanted to look that up and see how they because those seed drills are like humongous things and I and the tractors in the middle how they how they steer that around those poles and obstacles and things and and it was like right up to the pavement they they took advantage of every inch to sow that seed and and you know it's interesting that if you take a wheat seed and you cut it in half it won't germinate it won't you cut that the embryo in half and it's just it's dead it has a no value and so we sow the whole seed wherever we can, whenever we can. We leave the preparation of the ground to the Holy Spirit. We're commanded to sow that seed, to busy ourselves with that same gospel, to occupy till he comes. And uh, this uh, is, is so important that we just stick with the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the the truth of the gospel. And And the next thing that we find of importance here is the results from this and where they are derived. The the servants, again, are broken down into two categories. It came to pass when he was returned in Luke 19.15 that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. <clears throat> so the key words to the servants there in verse 16, the first came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. It was not, 
hey, uh, here's what I did with your with your pound. <laughs> I did this with it, and I did that with it. It's a thy pound. I was just a a a, a messenger of it. I was just a bearer of it. <clears throat> thy pound hath gained ten pounds. The Lord's gospel gained the ten pounds. Not I gained you uh, ten pounds with my work and my performance, my efforts. You know, a, a kernel of wheat sown produces as much as 50 kernels in the head. Isn't that interesting? There's as many as 17,000 kernels in a pound. And one of our previous lessons, we we briefly kind of went over how the average, back when we did that lesson, I think the average uh, yield for an acre was 65 bushels in Oregon, and and I can't remember how many hundred thousand million bushels that Oregon produces, and how many how loaves of bread are, can be made out of one bushel. It's in the millions. It's just a staggering amount. So, <clears throat> thy pound hath gained ten pounds, and you know the same with the second servant. Uh, thy pound hath gained five pounds, and 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 we note it's not the quantity gain. But the servant had been faithful, been busy with what had been entrusted to him. It's not up to him how much he gains. It's not up to him the the quantity of the fruit that he produces. It's up to the Lord God Almighty. <clears throat> Just our duty is if we've got like half a million sermons on sermon audio, and if not one person comes to believe God, we've done what we could do. We've sown the seed. We, we've delivered the word intact without taking anything, without cutting the seed in half, without doing anything uh, unworthy or untrustworthy with it. We leave the results up to God. And, uh, and that's the way it is here. <clears throat> and the, we find that same application in Luke and Mark in the sower, they which... These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. It's not a penalty if you're the one that only brings in thirty, or you're the one that brings in sixty, or an extra reward if you're the one that brings in a hundred. It's all according to God's purpose. And uh, all we're responsible for is being faithful in delivering that gospel, delivering that seed, sowing that seed. We sow the seed and then leave it up to God. And importantly, though, again, the gospel must be delivered intact, undiluted, undivided, the the whole seed. Remember we mentioned that you whack that wheat seed in half? It's not going to, it's of no value. You take part of the gospel out, you've ruined it. There's, There's of no value there. In Acts uh, twenty twenty seven, it says, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Not that that doesn't mean, well, we we sit in a meeting somewhere and say, well, we don't think they're we should be telling them this, or we don't think we should be telling them that. These these doctrines are too high for the people. They're, we can't tell them about election. We can't tell them about uh, sovereign grace. <clears throat> uh, 
and so we we don't do that. We 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 throw all the word of God out there, and we let God take care of the results of it. To these servants who faithfully received the gospel and then shared it as liberally as they were able, the ruler said, "Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little." <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know, God does everything from start to finish. He says, actually, your part of it was very little. But it was key. It was, it was what I chose. God said, it's what I chose how to deliver the gospel good news to my sheep. <clears> that has been faithful in a very little. And it's not a derogatory term. It's another one of those, uh, as Norm said, the terms of endearment. <clears throat> have thou authority over ten cities. He was very pleased. And to the one that gave five pounds, thou hast been faithful as well. Have thou authority over five cities. And, and now we come to the wicked servant. <laughs> the one who was equally entrusted with the same gospel, the same pound, and yet viewed the master in an entirely different way and treated the gospel in an entirely different way. In verse 20 says, Another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I've kept laid up in a napkin. There really wasn't any respect for the Lord nor the pound. The seed wasn't really sown at all. I covered it with a napkin supposedly to keep it safe. Really it was because I had no faith in your pound gaining. And in that, what we find in religion, they don't really have any faith in God's word, the gospel, having any effect. So we have to do all these emotional things and psychological things to try to make it more effectual to replace the work that the Holy Spirit does because we don't have faith that he will do what he said he would do. So I had no faith in your pound gaining. There are parts that I don't really agree with. I covered those with a napkin. I remember asking a pastor one time, explain Ephesians 1 to me. And he says, oh, that's a high matter. And he covered it with a napkin, saying it was not necessary for the gospel, not necessary for me to see it or understand it. I said, well, what's it doing in the Bible? It's right here on this page. Just leave it alone. It's not for you. Covered it with that napkin. In Jerusalem, the disciples would come head on with Jews who had for centuries been entrusted with the pound of the gospel and yet relegated it to a mere supposed ability to keep the law or works for salvation who were tasked with occupy till I come, but who didn't see the gospel and therefore couldn't busy themselves with the preaching of it. They couldn't see Christ. They didn't see the gospel. It's just uh, the more we go through the Old Testament, Norm's lessons and sermons in Zechariah and Numbers and all the ones that he's been going through the Old Testament for years and years and years. Christ on every page. He's the, he's everywhere. As he said to those in, in Luke, he he explained to them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Not just the ones where you might have a little star by your uh, a verse in that says, oh, here's a messianic prophecy. That it is, but 
all the things leading up to it talk about Christ. All the things in every page tell us something about the Lord. So they're going to be up against these ones who were tasked with occupying till he comes, but were were those wicked servants that, you know, the Lord says, you don't enter in yourselves and you hinder those that would enter in. That's what you're doing. You're like whited sepulchers. And so he says unto them that stood by in verse 24, take away from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said, man, he's already got ten pounds. What's he need another one? And the Lord says, I say unto you that to everyone which hath shall be given. You're faithful in a few things, I'll give you more. And from him that hath not, he seemingly had, but he didn't have. He had the words, he had the writing, but he didn't have the spirit. He that hath not even that that he hath, what he seemingly has shall be taken away. And that's what we find in religion. Is, uh, <clears throat> they seem like they have the gospel. They seem like they say the, some of the right words. They seem like they, they have something, but in reality they, they don't. Even that shall be taken away from them in the end. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also or, uh, unjust also in much. <clears throat> and so lastly, we come to this final class of people here in our last few minutes, the, the citizens, the, the polities they're called in the Greek. They hated him. They hated him for no cause. <clears throat> in the case of Archelaus, they had plenty of cause. 3,000 of them got killed uh, at a protest. And... <clears throat> and but in Jesus, they they hated him without a cause. And uh, in John chapter fifteen, if you'd take time to read that, uh, so when you have a, a moment, he he says, "Your friends, if I do whatsoever I command you, and his command is occupy till I come, distribute the gospel." And he says, "And so henceforth I call you not servants. Remember, they're called servants in the this chapter, but." Later on, he says, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you friends. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I have given you the ten pounds. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Some ten, some twenty, some thirty, some forty, some five pounds, some ten pounds. And that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. And these things have I commanded you that you love one another. And he, and he goes on down to the end, and he says, Be aware, you're going to Jerusalem. They're supposed to occupy till I come, but they've not. They've been the wicked servant. <clears throat> they've hated me without a cause. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. So heads up, be warned. Don't be surprised by that. He that hateth me also hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not known sin. But now they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this has come to pass that the word might be fulfilled that's written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Psalm 69, 4. 
They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. We'll not have this man to reign over us. That's You know, that's just the state that we're all in from the natural birth, and there we will remain unless there is a new birth from above. You know, there's a class of people for whom the Lord did not lay down his life a ransom. There's a class of persons who under no circumstance will have this man to reign over them, and Jesus calls them mine enemies. Those mine enemies that which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. That's serious business. The only difference is eternal electing love. And, you know, uh, that's talked about in uh, as long-suffering. What if God, with much long-suffering, <laughs> endured the vessels of wrath, those that he calls mine enemies, <clears throat> that he might na- make known the riches of his grace, his glory, on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared unto glory. There's the difference. There's the servants entrusted with the gospel, and there's the wicked servants that have it in word only. Like it says in Thessalonians, the gospel came to you not in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit. So we'll close there, and next time we go to Beth, Foggy and Bethany as the Lord enters the outskirts of Jerusalem, prepares for the triumphal entry and and all the things that attend that. So until next time, thank you for your attention. Be free.